Welcome to Dare to Use the F Word, the podcast that brings you stories about how millennials are taking on feminist ideas and making them their own. Dare to Use the F Word is a production of Barnard College and the Barnard Center for Research on Women. I'm Carly, a research assistant with the BCRW. Today's episode explores the daily lives and experiences of the patients, employees, and volunteers of North Dakota's only abortion clinic. The Red River Women's Clinic is in Fargo, a city that's near the state's eastern border with Minnesota, and it serves women from North Dakota, South Dakota, and Minnesota. And it's really alone out there. To help you visualize, the state of North Dakota is this giant square of land in the northern Midwest. It's about 340 miles long, east to west, and 340 miles wide, north to south. If a woman from western North Dakota wanted to get an abortion at the Red River Women's Clinic, she would have to drive the entire length of the state. And if she took the highway and went the speed limit and everything, it would take her nearly five and a half hours, one way, no stops. She'd have to deal with the cost of travel in addition to the cost of the abortion. And on top of all this, the clinic only performs abortions one day a week because of the physician's obligations to other clinics she works for. The Red River Women's Clinic is also vastly outnumbered by crisis pregnancy centers. A crisis pregnancy center's primary objective is to prevent women from getting abortions. While some crisis pregnancy centers may have some medical licensing and can offer medical services like pregnancy tests or sonograms, the vast majority do not hold any medical licenses and primarily provide non-medical resources to pregnant women like counseling or information on adoption. And more often than not, they give out misinformation about abortion. They are not restricted in any way about what they are allowed to say about abortion or abortion providers. They may tell women that abortion is very painful or that they won't be able to have children after an abortion. The Red River Women's Clinic is outnumbered two to one in the Fargo-Moorhead area by pregnancy crisis centers. Not only is it difficult for women to access abortion in the state of North Dakota, but recently there's been a lot of legislation that's restricted abortion access even further. A lot of that legislation was passed in the spring of 2013, including a law that would have banned abortion after a heartbeat could be detected, which is around six weeks. The law was struck down by a federal judge, but more legislation is on its way. I grew up in Bismarck, North Dakota, and I feel that there is a great deal at stake in this issue. I've written for BCRW on the status of reproductive rights in North Dakota, and in order to explore this topic, I interviewed Caitlin O'Connell, a 27-year-old employee at the Red River Women's Clinic, who's a native to North Dakota. We talked a lot about her experiences with protesters at the clinic, and she shared her thoughts on what it's like to work at the only clinic that provides abortion in the state. I started the interview by asking what drew her to the career at the clinic. I grew up in a very conservative Lutheran church. Uh, it's called the Wisconsin Evangelical Synod. It's one of those churches where women aren't allowed to be pastors, they're not allowed to vote in church elections, there's no authority for any woman in the church because women are subservient to men. And that's how it is in the Bible and you don't question that. And so I started asking questions and eventually it became one of those things where I was like, I can't get, I can't believe in this and I can't be behind this. That was one of the things that kind of led me into the whole like, well, why is sex bad? Why are women who have sex bad? 
Um, so then that naturally kind of led into the, well, abortion isn't wrong because people have sex and they don't want to have babies. They shouldn't be made to have babies. So that was how I found out that I was totally cool with abortion and reproductive justice and everything. And then uh, when I was 17, I discovered that I was pregnant in a really terrible relationship. And because I grew up in a very conservative environment where sex was bad and nobody talked about it and went to a school where we didn't have sex ed, I didn't know what I could have done to have prevented it. And I decided to have an abortion. And it was, I mean, it was my senior year of high school. It was a little... It was a little traumatic, but I mean, ultimately it was, it was the greatest choice I've ever made. The next year when I was in college, I found an, oppor an opportunity to volunteer at the clinic here in Fargo. And I remembered how it was awful for me going into the clinic and people were yelling at me and saying all this awful stuff to me, like I was going to hell and I was a whore. And I wanted to make sure that nobody else had to go through anything like that. So how did you come to work at R-R-W-C. Um, like I said, I started as a volunteer my freshman year in college when they put out a public call that they wanted escorts during the 40 Days for Life. Um, the 40 Days for Life is um, a national and international movement where the point is to have somebody outside of a clinic for 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I, got, I started showing up like every week to be there. It, it was something that I made a priority. And then um, a few years after I had started volunteering there, one of the staff members left. They asked me if I wanted her job. And I said, heck yeah, sign me up. This will be awesome. I forgot to ask, how many mm. people are usually out there? Typically we have about six to eight, maybe ten on a really <laughs> bad day. What are the types of things they say? Um, they draw the same old parallels between abortion and the Holocaust or abortion and slavery and all these other offensive analogies that they have no right to be using. Um, stuff like that and that, you know, they need to pray for the souls of not just women who get abortions, but for the aborted babies and for the people who perform abortions and who enable abortions to happen because we're all just lost in sin and are, need Jesus to come and save us. There have been a few times where I have needed to, to call the police, but there have been a couple instances where, of course, male protesters who are quite a bit taller or larger than me have stood in front of me and just blow me off when I point out that it is a federal crime to impede or block access to our facility. Uh, so there have been a few times where, where I have needed to, to have the, pol the police there to handle the problem. Um, and this is every day the clinic is open? Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, typically, we only see the protester presence once a week because we're only open for abortions once a week. Okay. Uh, the Catholic Church in in Fargo is probably where we get I would I would say at least ninety five percent of all our protesters from. Um, in fact, a few years ago, they rented a space in the building next to our clinic where they set up a little chapel um, where they can have a little base to go inside and get some coffee and warm up and use a bathroom or whatever on the cold days. And how many patients do you have it, typically? Uh, an average clinic day is about 25. Um, how do patients react to um, having to walk by protesters? They get angry. They get sad. Some of them start crying. Um, some of them just ignore it. Some of them, some of them will actually stop and chat because in this part of the country, it would be super rude not to stop and talk to somebody who says, excuse me, I need to talk to you for a minute. 
And so it's one of those things that really kind of works to their advantage is that they actually do manage to stop quite a bit, quite a few people and hand them these, uh, these pamphlets full of lies and misinformation. And most of the time they just give me the pamphlet because they don't really want it, Mm -hmm. but they just take it because it's, it's nice. It's North Dakota nice. So, so just tell me a little bit about what you do at the clinic. What's your official job? My official title is the site coordinator, and that means that I'm responsible. I am like the escort who's out there every week making sure that everybody can get in safely. I also manage any volunteer escorts we have. We've had some interns. We've had some people do just do escorting. So basically my job is to, to maintain security, to observe the protesters, mark down and report any suspicious activity or weird stuff that they do. Um, Otherwise, I'm trained in a couple areas of work inside the clinic. Uh, I put together charts and kind of act as the reception, front desk sort of person, and I have done some blood type work as well. How are you supposed to respond? How are you expected to respond to protesters? Or what are you, how are you expected to treat them? Um, our official stance is that they're ghosts. They're not there. I'm not afraid of ghosts because they're not real. <laughs> Um, I mean, I hear a lot of stuff. They, they say a lot of stuff about me. They say a lot of stuff to me, but I just don't engage. It's not worth it. It's not worth expending the energy into getting mad and getting angry and it gets them a response that they want. But there's really just as a small cluster of diehards who are there every week. And then like, of course it expands during the 40 days for life. I'm very much anticipating that this spring and summer and fall especially will be particularly nasty because personhood is a constitutional ballot measure in North Dakota this year. So uh, this fall, the citizens of North Dakota will be voting on whether or not they want to make personhood, uh, life at conception, legal and amended to the North Dakota state constitution. When you go to the, the Women's Center's website, the first words that you read are these big red block letters that say... Um, Abortions are still legal in mm-hmm. the state of North Dakota. Yep. Um, it, it, it seems to be a reaction to the anti-abortion legislation. Mm-hmm. So is that true? Yeah. Uh, we, I mean, as soon as those laws were passed, we were getting phone calls from women who had already scheduled appointments who were afraid that their appointments were no longer legal, that they were not going to be able to come to our clinic and get the care that they wanted. Um, and we have actually noticed uh, one of our physicians works on a circuit Uh, South Dakota, Minneapolis, North Dakota, and she has reported that people from North Dakota are going to other clinics because they don't think that we're open. I mean, specifically for the Red River Women's Clinic, it is reality every day Mm -hmm. of the threat of being shut down. Yeah. It kind of is one of the, I mean, at least personally, when I see, you know, on the news about like, oh God, they're shutting down all the clinics in Texas. I'm like, they have more than one. You know, it's one of those things. It's like, uh, yeah, it's terrible, but we're the only ones here. What about us? Where's the outrage for us? Because I feel like we get overlooked, you know, because we're North Dakota. Everybody knows we're a conservative flyover state. Nobody actually lives here, people think, you know. Uh, So it's one of those that it sometimes feels like the outrage is missing because it's, well, it's, it's only North Dakota. And so, I mean, I guess... But this is a very distinct problem. Like, we are the only one. Mm-hmm. And it's, what, 600 miles from one side of the state to the other? Yeah. Um, so what kind of problems do you come up with with women who are that far away? 
there is the North Dakota Women in Need Fund, the WIN Fund, which uh, helps women pay for the cost of their abortion, whether that's travel cost, lodging cost, food cost, cost of their birth control pills, or cost of the actual abortion itself. Um, but I know that the WIN Fund has paid for hotel rooms and has paid for bus tickets, and uh, there was a case where a woman slept in her car overnight, and when she told us that, we gave her like a couple hundred dollars that we thought would cover the cost of a hotel room and some food. Because that's, that's insane <laughs> to have to, to drive 600 miles, you know, and then sleep in your car because you can't afford to get a hotel room for what this minor surgery that you're having. That, that's ridiculous. But that's the reality of it, is that people can't afford it. And, you know, there are, are a lot of women out there who wind up coming to Fargo, but a lot of them have trouble getting here. Is there anything else you wanted to add that you were thinking about? Mm. Well, I was, I was wondering, um, I mean, I think the reason that this is happening in North Dakota mm. is because of oil money. We have the budget surplus to fight all these worthless court battles in the state of North Dakota because of all of the oil money. And, you know, so Personhood USA and the Pro-Life Action League and all these big political groups spent so much money dealing with our politicians because they know that they can get the fight here because the politicians are conservative enough and there's enough money in the state budget that they can fight the court battles here. In other states where they don't have as much money in their surpluses as we do, I don't think you would see this happening. Um, how do you guys as employees just kind of handle this environment? Is there like, like... I think all of us, it's safe to say that we're all friends and we all, uh, we all spend time and we talk to each other about how our days go and, and how work goes and stuff like that as well. So, I mean, there is a definite morale and we're, it's kind of a we're all in this together sort of feeling, which is nice. There are definitely, there are definitely local people who support us and who are not afraid to make their support known for us, which is, which is really encouraging. Uh, Fargo is a bit more, is quite a bit more liberal than people think it is. Yeah, there are, there are a lot of people who really support us and who are working and who, uh, who would work to keep our doors open, I think. Caitlin O'Connell is a site coordinator at the Red River Women's Clinic in Fargo, North Dakota. To learn more about the clinic's work, visit redriverwomensclinic.com. So Caitlin touches on a really interesting thing that's happening in North Dakota right now, the oil boom in the Bakken, which is an area in western North Dakota, um, and she also talks about its effects on women. Last spring, around the same time the state legislature pushed through the anti-abortion legislation, I wrote a blog post about the oil boom for the BCRW blog. The past few years have brought huge economic growth and population growth, but much of the state's infrastructure has been struggling to keep up. Housing in Western North Dakota is scarce. Williston is one of the most expensive places to rent in the country, more expensive even than New York. The roads are crumbling because of the oil traffic and schools are struggling to keep up. Hospitals and clinics have really taken a hit. And there is still only one abortion clinic serving the entire state. And it is hundreds of miles away from that community. If you want to learn more about this topic, check out my blog post at bcrw.barnard.edu. If you're interested in this topic, keep an eye out for news on the return of the heartbeat bill. 
the law which banned abortion at six weeks and was overturned by a federal judge in April. But the North Dakota Attorney General recently announced he'd appeal the decision. This law would directly affect Red River, which currently offers abortion into the 16th week of pregnancy. Thank you to Caitlin O'Connell for sharing her story with us. Thanks to Ebony Smith for the music you heard in this episode. And thanks to Crystal, another employee with the Red River Women's Clinic, who I also interviewed and gave us really great information that helped us to put this podcast together. Thanks to BCRW fellow Nietzsche Yin, and also to our executive producer, Rebecca Lee Douglas. Check out more podcast episodes at the BCRW's website at bcrw.barner.edu or subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Send your questions, comments, and ideas for future shows to bcrw at barnard.edu. That's all we have for you today, but we'd like to leave you with a dare. Use the F word. <laughs>